Welcome one and all to the Topical City podcast. It's your place for everything city, if you don't know many places. Today, on the Topical City prize board, in one. You could always bet on him or with him, although if it's with him, I wouldn't unless you like losing. It's James. Hi James, how are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm okay mate, thanks for the intro. In two. Is your hair lacking volume? Blow dry in style with the hot air produced from your very own Richard. How are you doing today? I'm ready to breathe out some hot air all over both of you. No, Thank I you. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, you, guys will be, you guys will be happy to know that uh, today's Topical City podcast has a sponsor. Uh, we are today sponsored by Klopp's Artisanal Chocolates. German chocolatier Jürgen promises that his excellent range of chocolates are so tasty They'll be gone quicker than Liverpool's title hopes. Big thanks to Klopp's Artisanal Chocolates for sponsoring the episode. However, I must say I bought a few and the ones at the top of the box seemed a bit past their sell-by date. Uh, <laughs> 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 let's, uh, let's move on from my poor attempts at making the intro to the podcast interesting. Um, it, as we always say every week, it's been a good week to be a City fan. Uh, we This week notched up Onto the current run, we're now at 11 straight away victories, 18 wins in all competitions, 25 games unbeaten. I mean, it's a good time to be a City fan, wouldn't you say, Richard? A long way it continue, yeah. I mean, we're beating some good teams week on week. It's not just like it's the minnows or anything like we were being criticised for a while back. You know, I'm not going to jinx it by saying anything extra, so <laughs> let's just move swiftly on. In terms of teams around us, which, you know, there aren't many at the moment, but teams around us, um, wasn't as good as it has been. United and Leicester both won the only game they've played since we last recorded. There is another title chasing side. Uh, who was it? Oh, yeah, West Ham. West Ham uh, won both their games as well. The best uh, London so. club in the Premier League. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, it's not as good. The last few weeks we've recorded, uh, everybody else has pretty much lost or drawn. Um, everybody around us has unfortunately done well, except a certain Scouse Red team uh, who lost their derby this week. I believe, Richard, you've got uh, something to say about that game. Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't believe. So first off, I watched the game on mute for most of it because, I mean, I can't bear the commentators that are on Sky Sports at the minute. They may actually make BT Sport commentators look world class. But I was shocked when I actually turned the volume up and Everton got that penalty to realise that Jamie Carragher was doing the commentary on it. Like, is it just me or is that not completely out of order when you've got an obviously biased co-commentator on? It's like when they got Neville on for us, isn't it? <laughs> it sort of feels like they're pushing so hard to be neutral, but at the same time, you know, they can't be. Are you boys not forgetting that Jamie Carragher grew up uh, an Everton fan? Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not buying that at all. Like, they didn't they all grow up heaven? Yeah, everyone does from that city. Yeah. And then they just, once they decide to become glory hunters, they just move on to being like the Red Scousers. It's just, it, they control the entire narrative. So you got the anger in Carragher's voice once the goal went in. Like you can, he's try. He's obviously praising Everton for the goal and the like, the opening goal of the game. But you can just tell he's so fucking bitter about it. And then when the the penalty, it, it's it's clarified afterwards that the penalty is given because of Trent Alexander Arnold's trailing leg, which trips Calvert Lewin over. But in the commentary, you'd never know that because all you've got is Jamie Carragher saying, "I don't think it's a penalty for five minutes straight." Like, you can't have them controlling the narrative that way, like, for, for the audience watching it. For me, it's just completely out of order. I bet the pundits in the studio were Sunus, Redknapp and uh, Keane, or something <laughs> like that, probably, right? Like, Do you know, oh. it's funny you say that, because I saw a rant from Sunus about referees saying that it's uh, it's a matter of, only a matter of time now before ex-pros become referees. And, like, you think pundits are biased. Imagine what that would be like 
It's hardly yeah, a matter yeah. of time. The game's been going a hundred years and it's never happened <laughs> to my recollection. Why is it going to start now? Oh my God. It, we all agree it was a penalty, not right? Because the, the mental gymnastics <laughs> I've seen people take to say that that wasn't a penalty is insane. It's a penalty once they clarify the reason why they gave the penalty. But f- from listening to Jamie Carragher and Martin Tyler, you'd, you'd assume that they gave it because he tripped over Trent Alexander-Arnold's head, which yeah. that isn't the reason why they gave the penalty. And then <laughs> afterwards, you've got Martin Tyler's thought in the narrative in there about how the Premier League have fast-tracked this referee's career. So you've got Carragher questioning the, whether it's a penalty. You've got Tyler mentioning the facts, like putting the insinuation out there, like, oh, is this all a bit too soon for him? I, I think that it's just they're creating the narrative to the audience that this is an incorrect decision when it's actually correct. And that can't go on for much longer. Exactly. Well said. We'll move on to talk about quickly about the Arsenal game in a moment. But uh, I've thought that your weekly injustice would be quite negative. So I did want to mention something a bit positive. Oleg Sinchenko. I've got lots of negative things to say, to be honest. <laughs> Oleg Sinchenko now has the highest winning percentage for any City player who's played over 80 games. Um, it's just nice to see a player who continually has been marginalised and brought back in and then marginalised out and brought back in to hold a record like that with City, especially with how well he's playing. Um, how do you feel about Oleg, James? I'm so impressed with him. I, I found myself watching him more and more as the weeks have gone on. The word that really springs to mind for me is controlled. That when he's not playing, we miss the control he has on that left side. He's always looking to play on the front foot. I think being around the likes of Kev and David Silver and Gundogan for the last couple of years, we talk about it rubbing off on Phil. It's really rubbed off on Zinchenko as well, to the point that he's never going to be the best defender in the world. But just like Fernandinho can read games and that makes up for maybe a lack of pace or something like that, Zinchenko, his intelligence on the ball and off the ball, actually, reading players and the runs as well, really helps make up for that lack of defensive nous. I, I still would like a proper left-back in there, or at least in the squad, but I'm so impressed with the lad. And I think, like you say, having been sort of put out to dry a few times and he, he's kind of said, I'm not leaving and fought for his place. Super impressed with him. Total agree. Okay, we'll move on to talk about uh, the couple of games we've had this week against Everton and Arsenal. Uh, before we do, there is the Etihad's TM table to catch up on. At the end of the last pod, I believe I was the only one with any points. Uh, I had one point, Richard with zero, uh, and uh, James, uh, uh, sorry, James with minus one, from what I remember correctly boasting that he would never get a positive point and wanted to see how bad he could do. Well, based off the Everton game, uh, I got a point from a Bernardo goal and then immediately lost it because Sergio Aguero didn't play at all. Pep, what are you doing to me? That's Somehow, what you get, mate. You went out of your way to create that extra bet for yourself. I lost the point and, <laughs> and you guys gained one each. So, great. Uh, so, after that, me and Richard had one point each. James, back on the zero. Can I ask, Kevin, uh, are you going to do that again in this pod? We'll see. It was a spontaneous uh, burst of love for Sergio Aguero, one which I will not repeat. Uh, <laughs> after that, we had the Arsenal game. In terms of the league table, uh, Richard was the only one who scored any points for that uh, yes. because uh, Raheem Sterling scored the only goal of the game. So Richard's currently leading the table, two points, me with one point, James stuck on zero, but there's plenty of time to make some points today, James. Mm. Uh, so, talking about the Everton game, uh, I don't know about you guys, one of the, the things I noticed that I wanted to talk about, and I know James uh, wants to discuss it a little bit as well, I thought, even though Jesus didn't get involved much up front, his work rate and his flair was on show for everybody to see against Everton. Uh, what, what did you want to say about him, James? It wasn't just the Everton game, it was more of a general point around Jesus and the sort of the point that we're looking to get a top striker in, where does that leave him? The frustration that he's maybe not in, as good in front of goal as we would like. I can't help but feel for the lad because I think he fills a very special place in this squad. And this sounds daft, but if you think about sort of England when we were growing up and they had Owen and Heskey up front and everyone hated Heskey, 
because he did bang the goals in like Owen did. But actually, when Heskey didn't play, Owen was shit. And it was people that didn't know that much about football are people that didn't appreciate the the subtle things that Heskey did to help improve the team. I feel like it's Jesus is almost tarnished with the same brush in that he's not the guy that's going to score you all those goals in a season. It's almost like he, he has a different purpose in this team that Pep values his pressing so much. Like you say, he's got flair. When he's running at a man, he's one of the best dribbling. For me, we need to stop thinking of him as a striker and maybe look at him as more of someone to cover that left side of the field. What do you think? Richard, I think there's a special uh, there's a special place for him, and it's on the bench when we get a better <laughs> striker in in the next transfer window. No, no, I, I I understand and I get everything that everyone says about Gabriel Jesus. You can't help but be frustrated by the end product. I don't think it it doesn't matter if he's playing a false nine or on the left or on the right or anywhere. If you if you get those chances one on one with the keeper, like some some of the ones he's been presented with. You just have to put him away. And it feels like we've got too many of, and he's not the only one guilty of it. We've got too many of those players who just aren't as prolific in front of goal as you would like them to be in those situations. No, I, 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 I agree with that. But I think that Pep values it so much that it's almost like he wants to have that option as well. And, you know, look at the Liverpool game. that It was his pressing that caused those errors from um, Alisson. Does he bring so much to the side that nobody else does? So, like, when De Bruyne plays false nine or Bernardo or Gundogan or anybody plays that, because he, he doesn't play as, like, an out-and-out striker ever. He is always more like a number nine or a false nine. Does everyone else not bring those exact same qualities that he brings when they play there? Maybe so. Maybe not exactly. And maybe it's a case of, if you could chop and change in a transfer window, it'd be different. But maybe you lose something from having those players sit in that position. Maybe you lose Kev's creativity as much because he's further up the pitch and he doesn't have the vision of the players running in front of him. I don't know. I just I look at it. I look at Jesus and I did in this Everton game and I felt a bit sorry for him because he was getting absolutely hammered left, right, and centre. Like he he didn't stop working. He's grafting. And I think if you it sounds stupid this because he's a striker, but you take you take goals out of the equation. What a team player he is, and I bet his team loves playing with him for the, for the graph that he puts in. This is why I almost don't want to look at him as a striker anymore. Maybe it does facilitate a change of change of position for him. Like Liverpool fans will swear all day; it doesn't matter how many goals Roberto Firmino scores. Um, enough about Jesus, um, Richard. <laughs> I believe you wanted to talk about uh, Phil Foden during that game. Yeah, I just wanted to mention him because he's played in that midfield spot in the Everton game that's supposedly his best position, the David Silva spot that he was going to take over from. And I did the player ratings for City Extra, so I actually had to look at a lot of the players in depth. And I just don't think that he shone in that game. And this was the perfect chance for him to do that, really cement himself down as being one of the contenders for that spot, which... We are lacking in that spot at the minute. You know, Gundo and Bernardo play pretty much every game at the moment. We need a bit of rotation there. We have enough in the forward line without putting Phil there anyway. And I just feel like this would have been, this was a great opportunity for him to really make that position his own. And the good moments that he had in the game came from him being in that forward position, cutting in from the left, like the goal that he scored. I, I do agree. I think he's better up front than on the, on the left or the right. Um, I do prefer there. Maybe it's just a case that we're so enamoured with him being the new David Silva. Maybe that's just not what he's meant to be. Maybe he's meant to be that force coming in from the wing. Uh, we should get over it and move on. Just just my two pens on it. Is it not just naturally that because he's a young lad, he's kind of having the odd quiet game and then a moment of brilliance and he's not got that consistency and that just happens to coincide with him Playing the central position. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the result's still the same, that it a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So getting into the Arsenal game, I think we all were a bit shocked to see De Bruyne basically started up top, especially with it being injured for a month or so. How did you feel upon seeing the lineup? I I thought he might get involved, but I, I didn't think he would be starting as the focal point of the attack. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because I'm looking at all of this through the prism of 
my predicted lineups just gone out on Twitter <laughs> and I've got it got three wrong again or whatever. Um, so I saw Kev starting and I thought, fucking hell, not a good start this. But actually, when you look at it from just purely the City point of view and not our daft Etihad's league, they're, I'm pleased to see him back on the pitch. I'm, I was a bit surprised that he started, like you say. But, you know, look at the run we've been on without him, then add him to the mix as well. When he gets up to speed again, it's just beautiful enough. Uh, I know we were talking about it while the game was on, the three of us, uh, and I know uh, I agreed with you, Richard, on a point you made. Um, did seem a bit off. He made one absolutely disgraceful pass in a good way, um, sort of two, three minutes in. Uh, but then after yeah. that, it, it just seemed, and to be fair, it wasn't just him, but it just seemed everything was a bit wayward, a bit rushed, a bit forced. It kind of just encapsulated the whole team's performance outside of that opening 15 minutes, I think. Like, it, it felt like he was, he's constantly looking for that master stroke of a pass when sometimes literally all he had to do was get the ball at the player's feet, you know, like rather than get, get it to absolute perfection. There was a couple of like wayward shots that were just a pass that was completely like to the right side of the post. And then there was the volley that went like high and wide. And I just, obviously he can be excused for it because he's literally just coming back from injury. And, you know, did did we really expect him to start in the game and, and to start in that upfront position, which James says like requires so much effort like Jesus gives. So could have had a better game. He normally takes a couple of games to get back up to full speed, doesn't he? He's a bit like a Guerrero like that. So I kind of expected it once I knew he was starting. I did think he'd be a bit sluggish. Yeah, like I say, he was, was emblematic of, of basically the first half where we just we had everything and just nothing was coming off. And it, and it did feel, I don't know about you guys, but it felt like one of those games where if we didn't get a second, they were bound to get a first, especially within the last 15 minutes of that first half. It was one of, it felt lucky that we were where we were, but also one hundred percent deserved. One of them weird paradoxical games. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. You know what? It's weird actually, because even though I always want a second goal, the city are playing that well in defence that they've actually got me strangely and unnervingly confident that they're not gonna concede. So I didn't really see Arsenal coming up with anything that was going to challenge Stones or Diaz or Zinchenko in a way that was going to lead to a goal for them. So um, I was happy to just sit there and have a couple of Carlsbergs and enjoy the match, to be honest. Yeah, I think that you kind of got it bang on there. And I think that was almost Pep's mentality and the team's mentality that we've got the 1-0 come at us. And they didn't seem to be forcing the issue in, like they would in other games. He had a bit of that chess match vibe with maybe Pep and Arteta again. But like you say, the defence was so strong that we can rely on that now. And that's the difference. You know, in past seasons, we would have had a bit of a panic at 1-0 and teams would have sensed that. And now we're so assured that Stones is just full of confidence at the minute. And you could you could see the fact that Diaz and Stones both dribbled forward so much. There's points when they were virtually on, you know, the opposition's six-yard box. Diaz pinging those passes across the pitch as well was just exactly. brilliant. Exactly. They're absolutely brimming with confidence and it means you can almost have a bit of an off day with your attack and rely on that defence a bit more. I guess I was worried about Saka and Tierney on the left-hand side just seemed like they were going to cause an issue at some point. Mm-hmm. But it, it was it's just so nice to have a defence you can look at and go, the other team's going to have to produce something really special. To, to be us uh, It's so. helpful as well that, like, in front of that defence, you've got the captain of the whole team that you can bring in to just pull out a 10 out of 10 performance. All like, right, here we go. DM Mr. Masterclass. <laughs> Mr. Picked him in his lineup. Oh, did, I, did I? Oh, was it me? I picked him in the team. That's right. Yeah, because, uh, yeah. I, I, How I many points did he get you? Sorry? Zero? <laughs> Zero. Yeah, it's not always about points, <laughs> it's about bragging rights, mate. How did you feel uh, Big Fern performed? Listen, mate, how old's that guy? Because whatever's on his passport is lying. Put that contract on the table. Let's do a Rio. Sign that contract right now. He's probably the only city <laughs> player older than <laughs> Currently, yeah. Oh, probably, dear, that's probably, depressing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and, mate, I'm not far off now, to be fair. Yeah, I th- he just isn't showing his age, is he? And I don't know whether that's... He's just so smart. 
that he's reading things and therefore doesn't have to have the legs that he used to have, or he's just some kind of freak robot that I saw I saw a tweet and he basically said, Surely Fernandinho is the best Brazilian to ever play in the Premier League. And I know there was like bits of debates on that with you know, there's a couple of good players over the years. I think it's without question now. Just hit him him and Rubinho, you know. Right about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, James? I think that post was aimed at boiling a bit of piss because some Rando Liverpool fan had come out with the statement that Coutinho was the best Brazilian player to ever really? play in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, honestly. You know, they always say, like, uh, most likely, but I've heard it in the minute, like, Van Dyke is a Rolls Royce of a player. Like, that's, you hear that <laughs> cliche come out. Ferner's like, do you know that car that a few years ago, if you hit the, the gas tank, it exploded? But yeah, that got to be recalled. <laughs> yeah, but if that car only hurt your enemies, like you were completely safe <laughs> when you were in the car. But as soon as the yeah. gas tank got rear-ended, it was game over for, for anybody trying to get past him. He, he's just so reliable and so great. And, uh, you mean again, if that car had to do a tactical foul? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tactical <laughs> explosion. Um, Have you seen the quotes that came out today from him? I think someone asked him, like, what about his future? And he said that he's not making a decision till the end of the season because the team needs him to focus now. Um, yeah. And there's, there was something about how, I think someone said, like, oh, are you going to stay on as part of Pep's team? Because there's been rumours, haven't there, that he's going to be a coach. And he said, I mean, I only saw this on Twitter, so I don't know if it's correct, but basically he said something on the lines of, I've, there is an offer to stay at City, like he hinted at not in a playing role, but then he said, but not as part of Pep's coaching team. So it's kind of like, oh, right. I, do, I do wonder what that role could be, unless he's going to be like technical director or a scout or something. But I think Maybe the point he just is, goes around doors and knocks shins in. <laughs> well, even if you just had him in the dressing room, just like have him as uh, Brandon's assistant, putting the kits out, would rile them all up if he started. I think just keep giving him a year <laughs> till he does decide he wants to retire. Like, yeah. I don't think he's a player that you will ever have a. There's no negative to having him available. Just make him a player coach. Best of both worlds. He yeah, because that worked so well for a company, didn't it? <laughs> That's different, though. He, he was a player manager. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that, the, that he'd said there was another role available for him because you were giving me proper company vibes at first then. You know, like, the, oh, well, we'll wait till the end of the season and then see where it is. And then, you know, of course, it's wait until City are confirmed champions and then I'm off. <laughs> it might be the case. It might be the case. And if so, like, he goes with all City fans, doesn't he? But I don't, I don't think it'd be the same as company because he's not going to come in and replace Pep, is he? It'd be a player coach or a coaching role. He wouldn't be managing the team. Right. If, if he manages the team in the next five years, his points get not fucked. Believe me. <laughs> um, I'll take it. Uh, is, is there anything else... You guys noticed about the Arsenal game? Any, anybody in particular? I mean, we should actually we should probably talk about the goal, seeing as it was the only thing of note that really happened. Uh, a Sterling. Have we missed off the one highlight of the game. <laughs> I, I've got I've got a highlight besides. Oh, I've got a point besides that. So you you take the goal, Richard, and then I'll uh, I'll chip in with something else. There's not a lot to be said there, is it? It was a, a brilliant header from somebody who. I'm not sure has ever scored a headed goal in his life that didn't involve him fall into the ground dramatically. Like there was the one against Anfield where it was like just needed to get something on it. And then there was the, um, I think the Crystal Palace one a while ago where he like falls to the floor first and the ball like ricochets <laughs> off his head and into the back of the net. And those are his two headed goals. <laughs> the stat I heard was he's got eight out of like, 133 or something is not it's certainly not common <laughs> and, and the fact that Rob Holden must have a foot on it right like a, a full foot on uh, Sterling and he still managed to get his head to that ball I, I wasn't even you know when you're settling into a game and you, you're just sort of not quite with it yet I wasn't even ready to cheer I thought it was a delayed <laughs> reaction I sort of cheered 10 seconds after it got in <laughs> because I didn't even realise that we, we'd scored early uh, I wish I had carried on, but it was a good goal uh, and it was nice to see. What did you want to talk about, James? Uh, Cancelo. I think just, just because it was a bit different, I think he had a, a bit of a ropey game and for the first time in a long time, I mean, he's completely allowed because he's been immense and there's still a lot of good he did, but you mentioned Tierney and Saka down that left side. I thought they gave him a torrid time. He was very exposed. 
he was, and what the hell was that hoof that ended up at Edison? That Edison, of course, decided to volley and slice as well. It's like Canelo Evans having a bit of a mad ass day, aren't they? I think Cancelo's played like three big like games in a row now, like moving around the pitch, like not in the same position as well. So I, I think it could just be that is we might have relied a bit too heavily on him, and he probably could do with a bit of a break. Yeah, he's, he's got it in the bank, absolutely. Okay, well, I think uh, now that we covered the goal last, that's probably the Arsenal game covered as much as you possibly can. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with our weekly debates. You're listening to the Topical City Podcast. Disagree with anything you've heard? Don't forget to let the Etty lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter. And we're back. Um, with certainly when I'm the host, my favourite part of the show. Uh, this is our set of weekly debates. Uh, I'm going to put a question to both James and Richard, uh, and they've got to argue their side as best they can. Uh, winner of each debate, as decided by me, the completely impartial judge gets one mm. point. Uh, I was going to say, now that I'm like topping the table, this impartiality is really going to be tested, I think. Uh, winner of each debate gets one point if you win both debates you get a bonus point so worth keeping an eye on the only other thing to mention would be uh, we do have certain things for each question that you should maybe avoid saying because it could make you lose a point Uh, I originally called them debate no-nos but then the pun factory in my brain came alive and they're now called guile cliches Uh, brilliant So you need to avoid the guile cliches or you'll lose a point. Uh, It could be even though you win the debate, you end up with nothing. So we've got one topical debate and we've got one uh, for a bit of fun. Uh, I think we'll start with the one for a bit of fun. Uh, Richard, James, what was the best non-title winning season to be a City fan in the last 20 years? Richard? This is a really good debate question, actually, because I had to spend a good like 20 minutes trying to think of like outside of it being a title winning season which was the best one and in the end I came up with the 0203 season so it's the the last season at main road and the reason why I came up with this was mainly because I think it was the last season where before the takeover that we proper over exceeded our expectations Back in the Premier League, the Premiership for the first time, well, like after coming back up with Keegan in the Championship the year before, getting a ninth place finish off the back of that, uh, taking four points over Manchester United, beating them in the last derby at Main Road uh, to like the first derby win in 13 years. Yeah, but I'm not much of a nostalgia guy, but, you know, when you look back on that, there's a lot to be proud of in that season. And then you go through the squad. And it's just brilliant. You know, you got Sean Gota, who took the ball off uh, Neville on the goal line to score that goal against United there. You've got Berkovic, Benabia, Distan and Anelka came in. You know, you've got Wright Phillips coming through. You've got the captain, Richard Dunn. And yeah, I just think it was fantastic. You had a lot to look forward to as well with moving to Eastlands the season after. And, you know, all the hype about this is going to be the last game at Main Road. This is going to be the last game against United here against Liverpool here. The kits were fucking brilliant. The uh, Maybe not the laser blue one, but the away one was fantastic. It was that white kit with the black and red sash that went across the kit. That was great. And then the third kit was the maroon kit with the white stripes. So yeah, I just think there was a, a lot to be proud of in that season and we over exceeded our expectations as well. Uh, you're already on the edge of uh, losing a point for not referring to him as four-time player of the year, Richard Dunn, <laughs> as he was. I didn't know if you were, um, if I got the pronunciation right for you there, Cameron, as well, with Nikola Anelka. Nikola Anelka. <laughs> did he, I'm sure the guy on the CDVD called him Anelha at one point as well. <laughs> Quite possibly. Was this the guy who goes those? Aquero? <laughs> Okay, 0203. I must admit, it's one of my favourites as well. So, uh, James, you've got some talking to do here. What do you think the best non-title winning season was? As Richard said, it's a tough one, this. Obviously, you you tend to remember the ones where we won something um, and forget the rest. But I went for the 09-10 season. 
based on it being sort of like the touch paper for what came. And it had like quite an interesting mix in the squad. So it was like the season after the shake came in. And I don't know about you personally, for me, I love sort of all the transfer rumours and getting on Blue Moon and having a look at that. And I don't mean all the paper talk shit. I mean like, well, we could actually sign that player and looking at him on YouTube or maybe watching the World Cup that year to you know see him playing for some random country. Um, and a caca tattoo. <clears throat> exactly that. And this no shirt, <laughs> you know, all that type of stuff. So it, it kind of felt like we were playing football manager for the first time and we were getting linked with these players that we would never have dreamt that that could have happened. Um, and it was a massive jump for us in the league as well. We'd gone from 10th place up to 5th that year and it kind of felt like, right, we're knocking on the door. This is the start of everything now. And, and if you look back on it, it really was. It was from then that we really pushed on. But to look at, like, for me, the big thing with this was the squad. And I thought it was a really interesting mix and something we've not really had since. So we had, like, a, a squad of players that contained some absolute legends. So the likes of, like, company was already there, Zaba, people like Anua and Richards and De Jong and Ireland and, like, Sean Wright Phillips. And then we brought in the likes of Colo Torre, Lescott, Barry, Tevez, Adebayor, and some of these players were top talent for the league at this point. The likes of Barry and Lescott were being sought after. Tevez had come from United. He was like arguably one of the best strikers in the league. You mix that in with some of like the future legends that were already there, with like your De Jong, your Vinny, your Zaba. And then as well as that, something we've not really had that much of, in that there was quite a few youth players in the team. So you're looking at your Mika Richards, your Sean Rick Phillips, your Stephen Ireland, your Newers. And I think that squad mix is something that was so appealing at the time. And the fact that we had money to add to it as well, for me, that was the most exciting season before we actually won something massive. James, I've got uh, two words for you. Mark Hughes. Do you know what? I'll, I'll counter that because there's something I forgot to say. I did mention who left that season as well. So if this doesn't win me points, I don't know what will. Arguably the best outgoing transfer window we ever had. We got rid of Rubinio, Benjani, and Adam Johnson. Enough uh, said. I, I'm just going to say I was doing a little bit of research because I couldn't remember whether it was Mark Hughes or Mancini in 9-10, Richard. And I think, was 9-10 not Mancini's first year? I thought It was, it was the season where Mark Hughes got sacked, right? You've just won me the yeah, point. Yeah, but that's... The the uh, the question isn't which half season is your best season, it's which full season was the best season. And you all of those Mark Hughes draws are going to make your list of being the best season outside of a title win. The fact well, was that Mark like, Hughes got sacked within that season shows why it was the best season. Did it end up being Meanwhile, in my season, like we've got, we've got Kevin Keegan lighting everything up. You know, everybody loves a bit of Keegan uh, banter. I don't, so Keegan says that. <laughs> I don't know if Keegan ever did much banter when he was doing He had that one when clip when he was a Newcastle manager and that was it. I'd maybe... Well, let me let me add another thing on, on to mine then. I'm, I'm not quite done because we had what is quite possibly the greatest goal ever scored by a left footer. And it was the Nicholas Jensen volley. Beautiful cross by Nicola Nelka on the right wing, right across the field, and Nicholas Jensen hitting it right fucking bang into the back of the net. Just fantastic. One of the goals of of the last 20 years, I think. I'll count you with that one. I'm I'm riffing this off the top of my head. Adebayo versus Arsenal. I think that was. We need Arsenal. a bit of facts. We need a bit with, of fact checking, I with, think. Uh, Cam seems to believe me, so we'll go with that. With him, <laughs> I could be wrong. Line for the pitch and um, sliding in front of the fans. That was good, but like, congratulations right away off for the for the one decent thing he did at City. <laughs> he sold some shirts. That Nicholas Jensen goal might be my favourite ever goal. <laughs> See, now this is where. Um, is it, Cam? I didn't. Yeah. You two like know each other happened. too well for this. <laughs> I'm fighting even... battle. Are you sure that was 0203 or not 0304? I looked it up beforehand to double check and make sure it was absolutely up to up. It was make, in January 2003. I'll be fair and I won't make a decision solely based on <laughs> the Nicholas Jensen goal. No, no, that, that was entirely just a sprinkle on top of a lot of already good is there, cupcakes made. Is there anything else about the 09-10 season, James, that you'd like to mention or can I 
Random yeah, do you want to try and rescue this, James? I don't I don't think I need to rescue it. I think you've got like in the touch paper of what came to be, you've got a perfect mix of players. You got to see young Vincent Company and Zabaleta mixing in with Academy prospects plus some big money signings. We were rich and everyone was wearing shake tea towels on their heads to going to matches. <laughs> like there's there's not a better time to be a city fan. I'd when I'd argue that getting, a, getting wet in the Gene Kelly stand is a is a fantastic time to be a Man City fan. And I wouldn't underestimate having the likes of Bernabia, Berkovic, Gota, Anelka during that era was fantastic. All right, I'm gonna call it that. It is, di- it is difficult. Uh, I honestly thought this debate would be settled on the squads uh, and the nostalgia of the squads. And to be honest, pound for pound, they're both, while one of them is very clearly a better squad than the other, they both live long in the memory. As, as For me, at least, I feel that I'm so in love with that 0203 team that I feel like they could play that 0910 team and you know, <laughs> be a bit of a stalemate, but they probably very clearly get battered. I think um, fitness might be a bit of an issue there. Well, yeah, they're very old now, aren't they? Um, <laughs> we had Steve Howie. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's that's not helping your case. Uh, <laughs> what what I'm going to say, I am going to give it to Richard. Of course. And I'm sorry, James. It, 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 the, the Nicholas Jensen goal did help. Uh, but the Adebayo goal is just as good. Uh, if more for the celebration. The reason I chose it the way I chose it is the... Season you chose, I feel like looks better and is more enjoyable in hindsight. Whereas the season Richard chose, it was just fun to be there at the time and do it. Uh, the I season com- you chose was, agree. was full of a lot agree. of promise and full of a lot of we're going to be something. Whereas that season was we've come up, we've got nothing to lose. And, and to be honest, like all the, these days they say about these teams that come up and finish, you know, 10th and 11th, you know, they had such a great season. We did that, nobody said shit. We came yeah. up and finished ninth first season. Nobody said shit. I just yeah, no one was saying of, Kevin Keegan should get manager of the fucking year for it. <laughs> exactly that that midfield of Benavia and Berkovic. Yeah, it, it's it's. I didn't think nostalgia really went out, but it very clearly has. <laughs> so to, to be geez. fair, I'd I'd have, I'd have probably picked the same thing as you, Cam. From being honest, and there was a reason. If you notice, I didn't mention anything about the actual gameplay. It's a good season to look back on and think that was the start of things, but it just can't be the romance of that that first season back in the Premier League. So yeah, Richard gets the point there. Um, the guy cliche um, of that was, if either of you had picked that Stuart Pearce season where David James <laughs> played up front, I was going to dock you two oh, points, I'll be honest. I, I was tempted just to, to mention that again. Stuart Pearce was in our coaching staff at the time when I, the season that I picked. I, I think he'd retired in the championship season the season before. Yeah. And I almost mentioned, you know, the cuddly toy that he had on <laughs> the touchline. I was like, we've got all this to look forward to. And then I caught myself and thought, I think that's going to be the uh, <laughs> the cliche. He, he did retire the season before, because if you'll remember, he uh, was on 100 career goals. He was on his 99th goal. Uh, oh yeah, the penalty, in the very yeah. last game of the season, he got a penalty. The keeper even came up and said, "Where do you want to put it?" And I'll miss <laughs> it because I think they were three 0 down at some at the time. Anyway, keeper said, "Where do you want to put it?" And Stuart Pearce went, "Don't worry, I'll just score it." And then skied it. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thus, <laughs> starting the Manchester City penalty curse. Yeah, yeah. He's to blame. That's it. That's the origin. Great. Until out. Stuart Pearce plays a game of professional football again. The curse <laughs> until he scores his 100th goal. <laughs> it's like Jumanji, we lost in the jungle until, <laughs> until that moment. Oh, why is it Pep though? That genius. Brilliant. Um, okay, right. One point to Richard. What I want to know oh, now, this one, slightly more topical. What do you think is more important to win this season now? Premier League or the Champions League? Richard, you went first last time. We'll go with you, James. Premier League for me, I think um, there's definitely a glitz and glamour to the Champions League, but I don't know if City fans are as enamoured with it. I think you can see from the reaction at games, the fact that they actually boo the anthem says a lot. And I think if you were to poll City fans, the vast, vast majority would pick the Premier League every day of the week. I think the, the Champions League's got a huge element of luck to it. So... 
often it's it's the best teams um, don't always go through or don't always win the games that they should. And that can be down to luck on the day. You know, it could be a, a deflection, away goals, VAR, dare I mention it. And I don't well, think... if you it, don't want to lose points. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't reflect the overall ability of, of what a squad can do. Whereas I think a 38-game season does. You, you can fluke your way to a Champions League just having a bit of luck across, you know, like say away, gate, away fixtures or away goals or anything like that. You can't fluke a Premier League title. Literally the best team that year wins it. And you could argue that it's going to sort of put us into that next level of top clubs. But, you know, Spurs got to the Champions League final in, what was it, 18-19? And then they like finished fourth in the league and they've just been shit ever since. So it just shows that you can get that far. You can get to that last game and be in a Champions League final. And it doesn't actually mean that much. Liverpool won Champions League in the last couple of years and look what's happening to them now. Me personally, I would much, much rather win a competition that reflects how good we are as a team rather than how lucky we are as a team. Great. Richard, before you go ahead with your debate, what I must say here, only you are susceptible to the guile cliche on this one. Oh, um, so there, there, is, there is something here that maybe you should avoid trying to say. But what I'll say I is... I think I know what it is as well. And, and I'm, I think it's one of the viable points to, to make in this argument too. Maybe. Uh, well, don't be cliched then. Think of your own uh, points there. <laughs> what I will say is if you do manage to avoid saying it, I'll give you a point. See this, uh, James had no obstacles uh, in his argument. <laughs> um, so if you say it, you lose it. If you don't, extra point. Go ahead. Why is the Champions League more important to win this season? Well, just to pick up on some of the things that James was saying, like the glitz and the glamour of the Champions League is right. Once we win that competition, a lot of the hatred and the booing will just dissipate. You know, we boo the Champions League anthem because it's symbolic of UEFA, not the competition. And I think once we win the competition and get over that hurdle, like that, all of that kind of thing will just be moved onto the side. Obviously, you know, we're City fans and we can definitely hold a grudge. But and the fact that you can fluke your way to the top to to win that, it's part of the romance of it as well. You know, it's a competition that can't necessarily be bought. It's a tournament. It's like one of the reasons why the FA Cups got such a great memory in like the mind of fans from yesteryear, you know, when that was actually relevant. And Spurs getting to the Champions League final alone, that was like the highlight of their century. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so imagine if we do it. Over that. Would yeah, over getting 100%. to the final, but over over getting to the final, but not winning the Champions League, and that's what I mean. Is like the Champions League is what these teams, the the creme de la creme, that's what they crave the most. We can win the Premier League and you know cement our spot as the greatest team of like the decade and the decade to come in the Premier League. But I think we've kind of done that already. We're breaking the records. You know, that's fantastic. But the Champions League, I think, is is what we should be striving for. And I think that that's what will make City defined as one of the real greats of not just domestic football, but European football. And on that glo more global scale, that's why I think that it's more important. Good points made. Uh, James, what I just want to ask you, because a lot of your argument was based on what you would prefer rather than what might be more important. Have you got anything to say on why it would be more important? I think that it's more important for Pep's dynasty and City's dynasty within English football that we, we rack up as many titles as we can because that's always going to be thrown against us, the amount that Chelsea have won, United have won, Liverpool have won. For us to sort of get into that category... You know they they were truly great teams, and we obviously we wouldn't have seen a lot of them, but we we did see some brilliant teams like that across the years. I think what Richard said about you know yeah we, we're booing the anthem and we were kind of holding that grudge right now, but effectively we'll get on better with UEFA and it'll be forgotten once we win it. I, I don't think that's the case. I think that they will do all they can to make sure that we're not part of that cartel. 
and the, the talking yeah, about I didn't the say about. that it'll it'll disappear because we win the Champions League. I, I think it what I meant what I meant by that was we boo UEFA, not the Champions League. Like winning the Champions League is an aside to that is different. I think it's the whole concept of it. It's not just UEFA. It's the whole competition. The, whether whether it be decisions, uh, we've been wronged, we've been banned for things that we shouldn't have had, you know, like coming out late or wearing the wrong colour socks and stuff like that. Everything about this competition leaves a bad taste in the mouth. And I think winning it is almost like a bit of a bitter victory because they've, they've shown they don't want us. You know, yeah. just an, an, as a point, like, you know, James brought up Pep and his dynasty. I think it would mean more to Pep's dynasty and his overall career to win the Champions League again with this Manchester City squad. Right then. Again, it's a really hard one. I'll tell you now, Richard, you didn't say the no-no. Uh, so you've already got a point from this. <laughs> um, the guy cliche for this round, you sort of touched on it, but not in the way that was the cliche. I, I didn't want to hear that if we wanted to be a big club in the eyes of other teams, we had to win it. That's why I didn't want to hear. Uh, I I thought it was going to be that's what Pep was brought in to do. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I didn't, when I didn't in reality, hear, he was brought in to win football matches like and win everything, like every competition. <laughs> no, I, I just didn't want to hear things about uh, clubs like Liverpool, clubs like United, clubs like Real Madrid, Barcelona won't see us as a big club till we win it. We are a big club. Already. Yeah, it gives a uh, fuck. And, and a lot of people will sit there and say we're not a big club until we win the Champions League. We are a big club. Um, so you, you avoided that. So you already have a point. I think I, I am, unfortunately, James is going to side with Richard again on this one. And this is going to be <laughs> give, a, give a shitload of points. Oh. Um, it's, not, it's not that what you said was bad. I just think, again, it, it was more to do with why you would prefer it rather than why it was more important, was the feeling I got from it. Then again, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'll get dog points next week. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, but unfortunately, by the rules that I laid out at the start of that, Richard gets a point for the first debate, a point for the second that's, debate. That's one, that's two. A point for not saying the no-no. That's and three. a point for winning both questions. <laughs> <laughs> and minus point for bragging. Well, uh, I'll, try and, uh, I'll try and contain myself. So uh, yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that's uh, four points for Richard. Tell you what, honestly, I, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to go into add salt to the wound here, but James should be doctor point because his side of the debate was absolutely the one to lose there because the Premier League is more important and establishing a dynasty for Manchester City in domestic football history is far more important than winning the Champions League. I did not believe most of what I was saying there. <laughs> Do you know, I was, I was 50-50. Like, I, can, I can completely see the argument for both sides, and I just, I just picked one and went with it. But I'm keeping up my um, streak. I'm, I'm doing my impression of Liverpool. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you something now, Jeff. Uh, the fact that he's won four points and he's trying to make you lose another one certainly makes me feel like a pity point is incoming. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what, mate? I, I think I think um, everyone just needs to remember it's my turn to host next week. That's true. <laughs> well, I hope, I hope go down. If, anything, if anything, this has proven to you, James, that I am not uh, a wishy-washy judge that would just give points out one each to make it look like it was fair. So I'll just keep that in mind next week <laughs> that when I do make the better debates on both sides, maybe I deserve both points, even though I've embarrassed you in front of everybody here today. <laughs> I think I need to look back at um, the whole body of work from this week and last week and then plan my spiteful vengeance. Oh, well. I think it was me doing the embarrassing camp. Well, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I won't take any part in it uh, because I want to get some points next week. Anyway, let's uh, move on. We, we've had our debate now. Uh, you know, it has gone just as badly for me uh, in the grander terms of things and as for James. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the next two games uh, following this week. We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information and for their GoFundMe link. All right, we're back uh, with our look at the next games, our pep talk, if you will. My advice, 
don't drop it. Keep it. Champions League is back, uh, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm much and glad it's back. God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been expecting that completely, <laughs> and I don't know why I wasn't. I've had that written down for a week. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm much and looking forward to it. <laughs> how, how are you guys? Are you happy it's back? Do you not care? I know based off um, your responses to the debate last time maybe this is a bit hypocritical but are you excited it's back yeah with the debate i'm just we just had to pick a side of course champion league massively important and we need to win it it's a nice occasion besides anything else and before people rinse me for changing my view completely that was just the debate i had to pick a side <laughs> yeah i love champions league nights glad back for me we're a bit of a a strange one to be drawn against because they're quite dangerous when they're on, on the game. Um, but I've done a bit of digging into them and they seem to have gone a bit off colour recently. I don't know if you've seen much of them. They're, they're currently sat eighth in the Bundesliga and they beat Dortmund 4-2 back on like 22nd of Jan. And the only win they've had since then is in the Cup. And then after us, they've got Leipzig and Dortmund again. So I'm wondering how important this is going to be for them. It's got to be massive still, right? I mean... Uh, this is uh, uh, they're probably just thinking it's a free hit like we can go out there and play our game you know but I, I don't know if we I don't know too much about munching Gladbach I don't think they're going to go out there and just from what I've heard like sit really deep like some of the Premier League teams do against City the form in the Bundesliga isn't great either is it like are, no. they, are they they playing for much there I, I, I surely yeah. they should be expecting European football again but is it like one win in five from them or something this was why I was saying that I wonder if they'll prioritise the league because I, th- I think the three points behind Dortmund um, and Dortmund yeah. are maybe down like fifth or something like that, I think. You would think that they would be prioritising that and two big games against Dortmund and Leipzig, that that's arguably more important for them just to secure that they get that that you know European football again next year for the money rather than just being in the competition. And like you say, they are, they are dangerous up top. They've got some decent players I think really you kind of look at the defence and you kind of go, who? You know, they're not names that really stand out. Um, but they've got Marcus Chiram. Is it Chiram? Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's, he's had like six goal contributions in his last six Champions League games. So he looks like the danger man to me. What well, One name that always stands out to me, um, especially because he gets linked with City loans. Um, they've got Dennis Scarry, haven't they, in their midfield? Yeah, I always thought it was called Zachariah. Oh, maybe. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're right, I think. But, but well, you read it. I just always thought it was Zachariah. It, it might just be worth keeping an eye on him in, in case. I know he's paper talk, yeah. but in case he's a future CDM. Uh, apparently, he is really good. So it, it might be a case of controlling the midfield more than anything. Just on the Champions League in general, I, I don't actually know if I'm looking forward to this match. I'm getting like proper. PTSD vibes <laughs> like I'm just thinking back to um so Cameron you mentioned it last week when we we're in the flower and flagon in town watching City go out to Spurs that was in the quarterfinal wasn't it I watched the uh, City Leon game in town as well last year in between lockdowns in in Shaq and right. like I know that like I'm not watching it in public this time and I get to keep my emotions very much private instead of storming out of the pub and like screaming into the <laughs> night. But I just, uh, until I see a, a proper convincing Champions League performance outside of the group games, I honestly don't know where people get off saying that Manchester City are the favourites to win this competition. Like look at the fucking history that we have in this competition. It, it, I just... I just refuse to believe that we can go far in it until we do. Isn't this the first time we've not been favourites in years? Because Bayern are favourites. I think but you, we we were favourites until the last two or three weeks, and now and now we it are puts, now. They put oh, really? backed off again. Yeah. You say you say he performs outside of the group stages, but what about Real Madrid? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. And then obviously there's the heartbreak of the game right after, you know, like you, you listen to everything and yeah. even, even Sam Lee, who's like the biggest sort of like not get hype about Manchester City guy who covers Manchester yeah. City possible, is saying like, look, they've gone out there and they've done it twice in two legs against Madrid, you know, like in between lockdowns. 
they've proven now that they can go out there and, and they've, they've changed their attitude about the Champions League and they can do it and then we don't do it. <laughs> so yeah. we can have, we can bat a bunch and glad back 5-0 and I still think like if we get to that second leg, we're not just going to do a Monaco and, and concede a shitload of goals. Perennial bridesmaids then. <laughs> Good job to leave Basma, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk about the predicted 11s then. Um, We've, we've all mainly gone pretty similar. There's only a couple of differences. Uh, we've all gone Edison, obviously standard Champions League goalkeeper. Surprisingly, um, we all went Walker. We all thought Walker would get a game. We all went for a slightly different centre-back pairing. Um, I went Diaz-Laporte. James went Stones-Laporte. Uh, Richard went Stones-Diaz. Um, all different combinations of the same <laughs> three guys, yeah. I guess the most interesting thing to ask is... Do you, Richard, do you think this is a game for our strongest set of centre-backs? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I've um, I've put them in there. Like I, I had to do a bit of thinking on it before and, and I, I rate Laporte massively. He's, he's one of the best, you know, central defenders in the world, but in form right now is Stones and Diaz. And after the masterclass that they put on against Arsenal at the weekend, this is the biggest game that we've got. We've got a bit of a buffer in the Premier League now. You know, we've got games against United and Leicester, our biggest challenges coming up, but we can put them to bed, like play some of the strongest players that we've got available and that's the strongest partnership we've got. So that's why I think he'll go for it. Cool. In the left-back, you two both went Zichenko. Um, I thought maybe Cancelo would get a run at left-back. I'm sort of half and half on that. I do think Zichenko it needs is a quite rest, likely, Cancelo. but... At the same time, maybe Zinchenko does as well. He's played a fair few games in a row. You mean uh, future Man City captain Alex Zinchenko? I mean future Man City <laughs> statue outside the ground. Alex and if we're playing all of our best players, like you said, I mean, reel off those stats that you said at the beginning about yeah, him there, yeah. Cam. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. In terms of the midfield, um, I think we all went Rodri. Uh, and then me and you, uh, Richard did go for the same two in midfield. We went for Gundogan and Bernardo. Um, I believe you went De Bruyne and Gundogan, James. Why, why do you think De Bruyne's going to start in midfield? I think if he wasn't going to play De Bruyne, he wouldn't have rushed him back. We've seen, like you said before, that Jesus is the favourite word of City podcasts, profligate uh, in front of goal. Hashtag <laughs> profligate. <laughs> I think he needs. we need the creativity of Kev further back. So I could still see Jesus coming in for it. But more than anything, Bernardo's played a hell of a lot of games. And I, I was really torn on this lineup because I, I initially sort of wrote it down and rotated quite heavily. So I, I had the same defence um, as you guys, I think, originally, and then kept second-guessing myself um, because then I kind of thought, actually, Pep's really going to focus on the Champions League, isn't it? But yeah, I just kind of thought he might give Bernardo a bit of a break, give Kev a bit more game time. I'm with James. I think Bernardo does need a break, 100%. I just think that we'd miss his pace. And I think Cam said industry in the last pod, like good word for him, like industrious. I just think that he brings that level of pressing that we need as well, that I don't know if we could do without. Yeah, that, that's why I thought as well. The same as you. Front three then. Um, I agree with you, James. I think De Bruyne will play. I think it'll be in the false nine again. But having said that, He'll, who knows where he'll be 10 minutes in, 20 minutes in, 30 yeah. minutes in. It's just putting up numbers on a team sheet at a minute. Isn't it? Um, <laughs> I thought he'd be flanked by Sterling and Foden. Uh, you also thought they would be up front, but with Jesus there, uh, again, yeah. you were the same, uh, Richard. We, we, bought, we all think Foden and Sterling will start on the wings, uh, at the very least. Uh, if you want to see the formations in a format that isn't just pointless rambling, they'll be <laughs> posted on the Topical City Podcast Twitter just before the game at, at Topical City Pod. Uh, so do feel free to go and have a look and tell us how wrong we are. Uh, along with that will be our predictions. Who do you think is going to score a goal against Monchin Gladbach? Big Phil, man for the big occasion. Cam, who do you think is going to score? Uh, I've gone uh, for Raheem Sterling. I honestly don't know why. Every instinct in my body is saying to say De Bruyne, but I've gone for Sterling anyway. So we'll see how that pans out. 
going against every instinct in your body. That's a good, <laughs> good idea. Well, every instinct I'm in my body said Aguero would get 10 minutes, did it? That did happen. So <laughs> yeah. I'm just going against whatever I think at this point. For the goal scorer, I'm going for Jesus. And I think that'll be the only goal of the game. I think City win 1 0. Uh, what about you, James? Score? 2 0 for me, I think. Slightly more comfortable on the weekend. Right. 2 0, I think, as well. Let's share those points. Before we go uh, finish, we talk about next week. We're not going to do uh, lineups or scores or anything. Again, those will be up on the Twitter before the game, but I thought it'd be good to talk about West Ham because arguably maybe the second best team in the league at the moment in terms of form. I think they're a scarier proposition than anybody we've played in the last few weeks at the minute because they do have the best young player in the world, Jesse Lingard, uh, firing at all cylinders at the moment. <laughs> How's, how are you guys feeling about West Ham? Can you imagine if he does that pose at the Etihad, like one of them taunts after fucking scoring? Well, I think I'd have to taunts. break my TV. <laughs> do you think? Do you think it's just better, they're currently the best of a bunch that are getting nowhere near us, or do you think they actually could come away with something? No, I, th- I think that they're a, they're a proper challenge at the minute. Like you, it can't be a coincidence that they are where they are. Like best team in London like said it jokingly before but it's actually true at the minute especially without some of the other ones in North London are performing yeah Antonio gave Diaz a hard time in the other game at the uh, um, at their stadium the London stadium earlier in the season I reckon he'll do it again here if, if Diaz plays whoever plays in the back line I just think that they're a big threat at the minute and it is something to worry about but we're a better opponent for them than we were earlier in the season as well so I think that we'll still have enough to to take the game yeah they're, they're a team that are greater than the sum of the parts aren't they and I suppose in a way we are as well like you say Antonio's a threat up top Suchek has been unbelievable this season by all accounts Declan Rice has had some good games and Fabianski as well you know yeah he did make it at Arsenal but he seems to have carved out a really good career for himself there now when he doesn't have Arsenal fan TV slagging him off yeah, every week, exactly, he actually exactly does pretty that, well. Mate. Exactly that. I'm not, I'm not as worried as you two. And maybe it's just because I'm seeing them as typical West Ham. Uh, I'd forgotten about Lingard. And since you've said it, I can totally see him scoring now just because he's... I just hate his face. Yeah, I'm more confident, I think, than you two with it. That we'll just yeah, I would say through. I was worried. I think just... I think where is the word. They're the only really form team we've... We're going to, we've come up against in the last few weeks. But I'm not. I'm you, not overly worried. I'm just wary. Are you more worried about or wary about them than you are Leicester? Um, Bear in mind what Leicester did to us at the start of this season and they're in top form as well. No, probably not. I, I think we're more likely to be in West Ham than Leicester. I can't I can be wary of both. <laughs> yeah, of course. Just a note on Leicester, they've, they've been picking up results, but I don't be, think they've been prolific. Like, they've watched the... Um, some of some of the Aston Villa game the other day, and I reckon Villa could have easily got something out of that. Mm-hmm. Well, Vardy's going back to full fitness, isn't he? So we'll see if he decides to wake up against us. Jamie Vardy. See if he gets a few penalties. Yeah. Jamie Vardy, there's concrete proof is the top scorer against the top six. <laughs> if you Gary Lineker, yeah. If you Gary Lineker, yeah. Just crop out Aguero, yeah. <laughs> okay. Gary Lineker um... tweeting fake news. Who would have thought? <laughs> Right, that's enough about West Ham. I'm sick of talking about West Ham. Let's just have a Come quick, on, you a quick recap <laughs> of the Etihad table. Again, it ends with uh, James on zero points. I've still got my sole point from the last episode. Uh, Richard has stormed ahead with six points. I think it's going to take us predicting a lineup, James, to get anywhere near him. Over the oh no, time. you're forgetting that I have the power to dock points next week. I'm going right that's in. True. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be able to earn any points next pod, so I need to scrape some back somehow. We're working on majority rules with uh, how points work as well. If, if you're a biased host, you never no, know. Like the, the, maybe more points the two guests, yeah, could uh, could dock you some points. You can still lose points as the host, mate. Calm, um, I'll catch up with you separately. All right, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we close out, any other business? Yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention uh, Sergio Aguero and the contract rumours that have come up. Mm. Like, I think one of the recent ones that was um, sort of like put, put about uh, courtesy of City Extra, I'm not sure who it originally came from, one of the Spanish journals, I think, was saying that City haven't spoken to him about a new contract at all. He's still waiting for a call. 
and uh, quite a few clubs around Europe have, have put in a bit of interest for him. So I'm just wondering what you guys think of, all about it. I, I said a few weeks ago, and I don't, I don't know if this was on one that got released or not, that if any forward was going to leave the club, I thought it would be Aguero. Uh, and I, uh, when that happens, I'll be following him wherever he goes. Uh, and uh, <laughs> if he goes to Barcelona, I guess I'm going to go and start living in Catalan, following Barcelona from now on, because I am part of Sergio Aguero FC. I think it's, it's gross if we don't give him as many extensions as he wants. It's, and it makes no sense if we're trying to bring Messi in as well. To, he, he was a big, big selling point of getting Messi to see was your best mate's going to be here as well. And it, it, I, it just makes no sense to me that we wouldn't even give him a one-year extension or a, or a two-year extension, especially seeing as he's still cut at the highest level. It's just insane to me. And the... Just to cut you off there, mate... As otherwise, you. you will go on forever. Just to play devil's advocate, I don't necessarily believe this. You say you're still performing at the top level. When's the last time you kicked the ball for us? All right, that's all we got time for, everybody. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> See you all later. <laughs>